You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Did the Apostles know Jesus is one of the more frequently asked questions on Google. It seems that there are people who claim the apostles were who were responsible for the New Testament knew very little about Jesus and so made up much of what is written in the New Testament. Uh, and this video explores this idea and it shows that the people who wrote the New Testament knew Jesus very well and were able to give accurate accounts of his life, work and teaching. So let's start off by thinking about what we mean when we say the apostles. When this question, it seems that the people are referring to uh, those who led the earliest church, the New Testament church. And these were the people who were responsible for uh, formulating the, the New Testament and for having it written. So we, we know the names of some of them. We've got them in the names of, of the books of the New Testament. We've got Matthew, he was a, a, an apostle, got John, another apostle. Mark, uh, well, the information there comes from uh, Peter, according to the earliest church sources. And of course, we've got the apostle Paul, who didn't write any gospels, but did write a whole lot of letters. So uh, almost everything that we know about Jesus comes from the apostles not quite true because there are plenty of sources outside the new testament which tell us a lot about jesus we could put together a general outline of his life from sources outside the bible but nevertheless the detailed knowledge of jesus comes from the apostles and it's there in the new testament and the question that we've got is did the men who wrote these gospels did these people know jesus could they give an accurate account of what jesus said and did. Well, let's start off by looking at the time scale to see um, whether it was possible for people who knew Jesus to be available to write the New Testament. And this is a time chart. At this end here, we've got uh, the resurrection, which happened in probably in 30 AD or possibly in 33 AD. I'm going to put it as early as possible because that gives the biggest gap. We can see that even with the big gap, that gives us a, a, a picture which is perfectly acceptable. Uh, the rest of the dates we can we can put in that um, allow us to, to, to fix times. We, we know about the fire of Rome in 64 AD. We know about the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. We know about a Jewish war which started in 66 AD and went on. Well, it sort of petered out in 74 or maybe the end of 73. Um, and we can do quite a bit of work on, on Acts and the letters. When you do the work, you find that there's a tremendous correspondence, but we come up with uh, dates for the letters of Paul, the earliest one being Galatians, which must have been written in, in 48 AD before the Council of Jerusalem. And we uh, end up with uh, writing which, which happens in the winter of 63 to 64 AD. So we know when Paul was writing and we know how long it was after the, the resurrection. 
And having looked at those, we can put in a bit more work and, and we can get the other letters, letters of Peter and of John uh, and, and Jude. And these fit in more or less at the end of the, the, the letters of Paul. They come in uh, around about the time of just after probably the, the fire of Rome when the persecution of Christians was just getting on the way. So having got that framework, we can then work out when the, the Gospels were written. And the earliest of those seems to have been Mark. We can work out that that must have been written between 50 and 55 AD. We've got Luke, which is written just before Acts. Acts we can date fairly thoroughly to fairly early on in 62 AD. So Luke must have been written somewhere uh, when Paul was in prison, either in uh, Caesarea in Israel, or maybe he was uh, in prison in Rome. But somewhere over that period, the Gospel of Luke uh, must have been written. We've got uh, the Gospel of Matthew, which I think was written after Luke. Certainly it was written before 70 AD, and it doesn't seem to be written while there was a, a war going on between uh, the Jews and Rome. So almost certainly before 66 AD, but there are people who put it as early as 40 AD. That to me seems far too early, but I put it definitely between uh, 62 and 66 AD. And finally, we've got the Gospel of John, again, definitely written before 70 AD, almost certainly written before the start of the Jewish war between the Romans and the Jews, and written after the death of Peter, which must have happened late in 64 or early in 65 AD. So again, we've got a date for the Gospel of John, so we can look at those on the time chart, and we can compare those with the lifetime of uh, a hypothetical apostle or hypothetical witness. So let's let's say the chap we're talking about was 25 years old at the time of the resurrection. So he, he'd be able to go along and have to look at things, get a pretty good idea of what was happening. Uh, so he's 25 when the resurrection happens. He's in his 40s when the Gospel of Mark is written. His 50s when the Gospel of Luke is written. Matthew's written when he's about 60, maybe just before, maybe just after, and John is written while in his very early 60s. So certainly it's well within living memory. An apostle who saw the resurrection could easily have written one of these gospels or could have written the letters or either Paul or some of the other letters. It's well within uh, living memory. Uh, while the average lifespan everyone keeps telling you was quite short that's because there's a huge child mortality if you survive being a child you've got a pretty good chance of living more or less as long as people do now john lived apparently until he was almost 100 years old so we could have apostles who lived on to the time when the books were written very easily the point is that the New Testament is written in the lifetime of witnesses who saw the events that are being reported in the New Testament. Right, let's think about the, the individual uh, apostles then. So we start off with Matthew, the, uh, the first uh, book of the New Testament. So let's talk about that first. And uh, 
the, the, the tradition of the, the people who followed on the next generation, started to write about these, these things, was that Matthew was a, ta a tax collector from Capernaum who became one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. And that would make him a pretty good eyewitness to much of what happened, certainly to the things that he reports in his gospel. How do we know if it's correct? Well, the trick is to look at details in the text and see whether they support the idea that the book was written by a tax collector from Capernaum. Well, the first bit of evidence is the set of geographical details in the gospel. Now, Matthew's gospel is pretty uh, accurate when it describes what goes on on what I'm going to call the north coast of the Sea of Galilee, along here between Gennesaret and Bethsaida. There, he knows the geography extremely well. A bit hazy when he goes inland. If he goes to Nazareth, well, he's got a bit of an idea, but anywhere else, and, and he gets fairly hazy, and he's certainly hazy uh, about what's going on further south. But the bit around Capernaum, he knows very well, which suggests someone who spent a lot of his life in Capernaum, uh, as Matthew, the tax collector, of Capernaum would do. Second point, he's got a tremendous interest in taxation. He talks about things to do with taxes which are absent from other gospels. As a, an example of one, he, um, he talks about discussing things and uh, people come and ask, do Jesus and the disciples collect the temple tax? And it, they discuss it, and in the end, there's a, a miracle associated with it. But nonetheless, the point is it's Matthew's interested in the taxes. And third point, uh, this phrase, the house. Now, in Greek, that would mean home, my, my house. You would refer to your house as the house. And um, Matthew uses that phrase, uh, and he uses it to identify the house of Matthew, a tax collector. So there's an example. We've got uh, Jesus reclining at a table in the house. It says, and behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. So there they are. And if we look in parallel accounts in other gospels, we find that this is Matthew's house. So Matthew's house is known as home in Matthew's gospel, but it's known as Matthew's house in the other Gospels. Again, that's something that would uh, put Matthew in with Matthew's Gospel. So there are a lot more besides that, but that's three little bits of information that help us to understand that Matthew, the tax collector of Capernaum, was the man who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. Gospel of Mark. Again, uh, we have a picture of how it was written from second century writers, that the earliest of those is Papias, but other people say the same story. And then what they say is that Peter went on a preaching trip and he gave some talks about Jesus. And Mark took the information from Peter, he edited it a bit, compared it with what Peter said, went to Peter and, and confirmed it, and then ended up um, publishing it as his, his gospel. It went to the people to whom Peter was uh, was teaching so that they had a, a, a record after Peter had left, uh, left them behind and was elsewhere preaching the gospel. And again, the detail in the text confirms that. So, for example, this word, the phrase, the house. In Matthew, it identified Matthew's house. 
in Mark, it identifies Peter's house. So uh, it's like switch, but nonetheless, it's showing that Peter is the main source of information for the Gospel of Mark. Uh, second point is that when you look at the various different incidents, up until the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, Peter is present at every single one of the, those incidents. They're, they're all looked at. Not only is Peter there, but they're looked at from Peter's point of view. And so we got this, this connection with Peter that you don't get in the, the other Gospels. And there are a whole lot of technical details in the way that the, the Gospel is, is put together. Uh, there's another, there's one example. It, it's, it's the idea of the... Um, the plural to singular construction it, it's known as so it says as they went into Capernaum so they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching and he being Jesus and well what's going on well what's going on is that that Mark is reporting someone who said we went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he Jesus went into the synagogue and you find that when you get that construction, there's always a particularly vivid description of what was going on, which indicates a, an eyewitness saying what's happening. And this, this they to he construction indicates an eyewitness, and it's always from Peter's point of view. So it's another suggestion that Peter uh, is the source of information for Mark. And you can put the two together and see how you go. So... Uh, here we are, a passage from Matthew. This is the, the just before the, the parable of the sower. And it starts out, Jesus went out of the house. It's in Matthew. It's Matthew's house. It says, and he sat beside the sea and great gals, crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. So the, the crowd's on the beach and they're looking at Jesus in the, the boat and there he is teaching them. Okay, let's look at the parallel in Mark. So now we've got it from Peter's point of view, and it doesn't talk anything about the house. There's nothing about Matthew's house at all. It says he began to teach beside the sea, a large crowd gathered, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the crowd was beside the sea on the land. Notice that the, the actual wording is different. The, the narrative that Matthew has written is not just a copy of what Mark wrote, and Mark hasn't just copied from Matthew. Uh, they're two independent accounts, and this little difference. Matthew talks about what happens in the house, so that it starts off with Jesus and Matthew in Matthew's house. Jesus goes down with Matthew to the seashore, and he begins to teach by the, 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 uh, the sea. That's where Peter picks them up. Either Peter's there already, or maybe Peter comes out and joins in. So when Peter sees it, they're already by the side of the sea, and so the detail of the story starts there. Interesting now is to compare that with the Luke account. Luke wasn't an eyewitness at all. Luke was a totally different person. Uh, and it says there, and the great a great crowd gathered, and people from town to town came to him, and he said in a parable, and then it gives the parable of the sower, which is what follows on from the other two um, accounts of what's happening. So Luke wasn't an eyewitness. Luke doesn't report the circumstances. Matthew reports the circumstances that Matthew would see, and Mark 
reports the circumstances that Peter would see. And you can see this connection between the Gospels and the relevant, relevant apostles. Well, that's the, the, the sort of the way we, we're going to look at things. We've we just had this brief look at the, the internal evidence that shows the apostles were eyewitnesses, and there's more to come. And the um, question, have we made a good case? Is it the, the kind of evidence that's useful? Let us know what you think about it uh, in the comments that you'll, you'll find uh, with this video. Let's go on now and think about John. We can track down quite a lot about how John was written. First of all, John's gospel was written by someone who is obviously a follower of, of the, the, the Jewish religion. It's got lots of detail and an explanation for that matter of Jewish law and Jewish custom. Um, second point, uh, it's a writer who is from Israel, or maybe call it Palestine, and you know that because he's familiar with the geographical detail of the region. Example, John's Gospel, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in, which is called in Aramaic Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. So he's talking about the Pool of Bethesda and it's been excavated by archaeologists. That's an archaeologist reconstruction of that pool. And you can see there he has the five colonnades, one, two, three, four, and five. So uh john is familiar not just with that detail but lots and lots of places he talks about the well at samaria he talks about what it's like in in uh, in, in um, nazareth and such like places he knows the area he's familiar with this geographical detail uh, so um he's someone who is from israel or palestine third point he has tremendous I detail of all sorts, detail of geography, detail of the, the, the journeys, details of times, numbers of things, when they catch fish, he says how many they caught, and so on. So that indicates he's got an interest in fish as well. Um, but um, as an example, he came to a town of Samaria called Sichar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. So as a detail, it's where it was. It's in Samaria, it's Zechar. It's near Jacob's field or Joseph's field that Jacob had given him. It says Jacob's well was there, another detail. Uh, and Jesus was tired from his journey. So that's another one. And it says he was sitting down. It says sitting down like this. Uh, it says on the well. A lot of translations miss that detail. They, they translate it as by the well and leave out the like this but it's there in the Greek. Uh, and the point, of course, is that um, no one ever sat down to write something and put that in. They would tell someone about it and they would include that in their description. It actually would sit down and say, it sat down like this, uh, and somebody else is writing it, it's taking dictation, and it's written down like that. Uh, but it's an eyewitness point. It's not something that someone says in unless they are uh, an eyewitness and we know the time of day as well it's noon time sixth hour so there's this huge amount of detail that's there uh, in it which indicates a, an eyewitness again it's, it's circumstantial but it's it's what you get from an eyewitness it's not what you get from fiction and there are details of thoughts interactions the feelings you get the private discussions of the disciples you even have the order of seating at the last supper which you can work out from the account in in john's gospel what does that tell us 
Well, it indicates someone who is one of the disciples of Jesus, one of the 12, and probably a lot closer than that. Now, interesting point, in John's Gospel, there's one disciple, no, actually two disciples, never mentioned, there's John and there's James, the brother of John. And James isn't quite so important. John is a hugely important disciple. Peter, James, and John, uh, sorry, James is mentioned. Peter, James, and John are the three disciples closest to Jesus. And John is particularly close. He's never mentioned. You've got to account for why that will be the case, and that there are two reasons you might have. One is that the uh, person who wrote John's Gospel didn't know about John the disciple. Now, that's pretty unlikely because John is a very prominent disciple of Jesus. The other possible reason is that the person writing it is John. That seems much more likely. He doesn't mention himself. He doesn't mention his brother. Why not James? Well, James was, was, was killed before 44 AD in the reign of uh, Herod Agrippa I. Uh, so if... if uh, the gospel was written by James and it was written very early I suspect it wasn't written quite that early it seems to be written after the death of Peter so uh, there's only John left James being dead already uh, so that tells us that the writer of John's gospel really is John and John makes every claim to be an eyewitness here we have the letter of John if you look at the style of it it's so like the, like the gospel it, the, the two have to be together uh, and the letters, well, it's obviously written with the Gospel of John in mind. And my belief is that it, it, it's a letter that was to go round with the Gospel. And it starts off, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked on and touched with our hands. He says the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you eternal life, which was with the Father and made manifest to us. And he then goes on to say that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. He's claiming to be an eyewitness and he's saying he's an eyewitness who is talking about the things that he has seen. He's telling them to you. Well, that doesn't happen in the letter. But it does happen in the gospel. So probably... Here he's referring to the gospel which goes with this letter and he's saying this is what we have seen, what we looked on, what we've touched. That's what we're telling you about. It's a definite claim to be an eyewitness. And you get it inside the gospel. Here we are at the foot of the cross and sees Jesus' side being pierced by someone with a spear. And he says, he who saw it has borne witness. And his testimony is true and he knows that he's telling the truth. That you may also believe. Uh, John is an eyewitness and here he is telling us that he is the man who wrote the gospel. He really is an eyewitness. So again, let's look at another example. This example is the feeding of the 5,000. I want to draw your attention to a little detail in it. So Matthew uh, writes about it and he says that uh, Jesus ordered the crowd to sit down and he says on the grass there was grass there and uh, he tells the crowd to sit down on it now uh, Mark describes the same thing so Matthew was there he saw it 
Mark, well, Peter was there and he says he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the, the green grass. That's an interesting thought, the green grass, because, uh, well, in a hot summer, you see it even in Britain, the grass goes brown in the summer. In, uh, in the Eastern Mediterranean, then it happens every year. So when you get to the, the end of the spring, sort of heading for Pentecost, the grass goes brown. It doesn't go green again until the next year when the rains come. Um, so there's green grass. Uh, John, Jesus says, have the people sit down. And it says there was much grass in the place. So John was there and he remembers the grass and it's green grass. And uh, you can tell it's the right time. It's a Passover time when the grass would be there at its greenest. It's the growing season for the grass. And there was, there's been rain and it's growing. And you can see uh, green grass around. Um, Luke, Luke wasn't there. And he records what Jesus says, have them sit down. Uh, in groups about 50 each again they're all summaries they miss out different bits because they're summarizing for different purposes doesn't mention the grass luke doesn't mention the grass he wasn't there so the other three they're remembering what they saw there's an irrelevant detail a detail of the grass but they put it in because it stood out it was something they remembered luke didn't remember it he doesn't write it down he wasn't there Right, well, we looked at the Gospels. Let's look at some of the letters. I'm going to talk about the letters that Paul wrote. Of course, Paul doesn't write the Gospel. The letters are written for specific purposes to deal with problems that were going on in the churches around. They're not intended to be a history of Jesus, but they do contain some of the, 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 the sayings and actions of Jesus. Uh, just a little bit of it here. They say he was a Jewish man. They say he was a good man. They say he was a descendant of David. Uh, they say that he had uh, 12 close disciples. It says, let us say that he had some brothers. Uh, one of the brothers it names as being called James. Um, they say he was crucified. And let us say that he rose from the dead in many different places. I've put one of the verses in there that says it and that's galatians chapter one and verse one and that's certainly the first verse of one of paul's letters and quite likely the first verse to be written down of the whole of the new testament and it's there is the resurrection it's part of it uh, there's plenty more we could do paul quotes the occasional saying of jesus he um he refers to the 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 breaking of bread the last supper and he gets the, the 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 bread and he gets the cup and he gets them in the right order and he gets an account of the things that jesus said at that time uh, paul knew what jesus said and did again he doesn't report it verbatim from the gospels in the, the main point uh, for the main part he is giving a, another account he's giving an account of things that he knew about from jesus uh, did he see Jesus? Well, there's a, a passage that says maybe he did. He says, am I not free? He's appealing to the apostles. I'm not, am I not an apostle? He says, have I not seen Jesus our Lord? And Paul appears to have seen Jesus, if not anything else. Uh, it might not have been a, a, 
a great uh, companion. Jesus might have been too young, for example, to really follow Jesus around when he was in Jerusalem or go and argue with him. But nonetheless, he'd seen him. And um, that indeed was what we needed for him to be an apostle. That was the condition that made someone an apostle. So uh, after the, the, the death of Jesus or around that time, Judas commits suicide, he might even have committed suicide before Jesus had died. So suddenly the, the 12 disciples have become 11. And after the ascension of Jesus to heaven, the other disciples get together and they say, we need to appoint somebody else to the, the, this, this committee of 12, 12 disciples. And um, they go and select somebody. And the first thing they do is they say, well, what are, what are the criteria? What do we need of, of someone who's going to be a, one of the apostles? And they talk about one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us a witness of the resurrection. Now, they're talking about one of the twelve. But they're saying, having seen Jesus, having a good knowledge of what Jesus said and did, is vital to the, um, the position of being an apostle. For other apostles, more than the 12, that might be a little bit more stringent. They may relax that a little, little bit, but you're definitely saying that it's someone who can be a witness, someone who has met Jesus, someone who knows what Jesus says. That's what you need to be an apostle. And that's the point about the New Testament. The apostles wrote it and the apostles knew Jesus. Peter writes it, he says, we didn't follow cleverly devised myths when we were made known to the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter is saying very clearly, we knew what we were talking about because, or we know what we're talking about because, we were eyewitnesses of the things we are reporting. Oh, talked about the, the apostles. What about Luke? Luke's an evangelist, but he wasn't uh, an apostle. Uh, what he was was a, a companion of the apostle Paul, at various passages where he refers to himself as being part of it. We did this, he says. Um, and he met various other apostles. And in fact, he stays in Jerusalem. He has access to all sorts of people besides apostles. He says, when we came to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. Notice this we and us uh, thing. We, see we had come to Jerusalem, received us gladly. Paul went in with us. He is among those people. And he meets James, who is the, the chief apostle in, in Jerusalem and the brother of Jesus. And so, Luke had met, he'd met the Apostle Paul as a companion of the Apostle Paul, and he's met James, the brother of Jesus. Luke might not be an eyewitness himself, but he has an access to eyewitnesses. And he, he stays in Jerusalem. Later on, you can, you can track him going on a journey, uh, maybe more than one where he visits the places where Jesus did various things. Uh, but Luke knew what he was talking about he talked to people who had seen it he was there to, to find out what the, the truth was about what jesus did and what jesus said james is the brother of jesus he's a chief apostle paul the other one in there 
he's an apostle as well. And those are people that we definitely have access to. But as I said, he stayed in, in Jerusalem, he stayed in Palestine, possibly in other places as well. And he met people who had seen Jesus. And he could ask them, ask them about what had happened, and he could write it down in his gospel. Well, we, we hope you enjoyed uh, this video, found it interesting. If you did, why not subscribe to the channel and look out for other similar videos? Or you could visit our website, there's the address. And of course, don't forget to subscribe because um, more are coming out every week with another video. And of course, let us know what you think of this video in the comments. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org if you enjoyed the episode then please share it with others until next time may god bless you in your studies and your walk towards god's kingdom amen